Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 34. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Caroline Borders. And today we're going to be talking about vlogging. Now, for those of you who don't know, vlogging, that's with a V, is short for video blogging. It's particularly popular on sites like YouTube, and people of all ages do it. We will describe and discuss what it's all about, but the general idea is that people post daily or weekly or even, you know, monthly video updates on their lives. So Caroline, I had asked you to discuss this and you agreed. You said that you had actually had some experiences watching vlogs in high school, I believe. I'd yeah, be in curious high school. to hear. My main experience watching vlogs is from from when I was in high school and I would watch it more sporadically if anything. I know that you watch vlogs more consistently. I just found it entertaining. Usually it was a channel on YouTube that was paired with a content channel that a YouTuber would have. So they'd have one channel that would have creative content such as the Vlogbrothers often present a topic of the day and they'll have a three to four minute video about religion or what's going on in the Middle East or whatever. And then they might have a separate channel that's more about their daily lives and what's going on on a day-to-day basis. So I would watch those more sporadically while being a little more interested in the content, mostly because I sometimes found video blogs, especially longer ones, to be full of mundane activities. So it was always very interesting to me how they were so popular. Maybe you can talk about that more, Kip. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually happen to like some of the longer vlogs. I know there are a few channels that I watch, one being Steven Vlog, which I'll link all of these in the episode description on our website, as well as the Shaytards, which is a family of, let's see, mom and dad and six children at this point. They are a family from Idaho, and often their videos will be 26, maybe 20 minutes long. And I hear what you're saying about mundane tasks. For them, a lot of it's family stuff. So taking the kids to school, taking them to wrestling practice, etc. But I've enjoyed tapping into the lives of other people that I will never meet and probably wouldn't have known otherwise because I think it's reassuring. It's humanizing. You see other people living their daily lives. And I hear you on the mundane thing, but I also think it's comforting in a very strange way. I think media we often consume shows us really exciting lives or people with glamorous houses. But at the end of the day, that only describes the lifestyles of a very small percentage of people on the planet. And I think it's nice to remember that there are people out there driving beat up pickup trucks to and from work every day. And they're humble, but they're people. And I think it's just nice to see that. And don't get me wrong, some of these vloggers have actually done really well, which is something we'll touch on later because they've actually made quite a bit of money doing it. To explain to our audience who may not have seen any vlogs, they make money because YouTube allows you to put advertisements either in front of your videos or alongside your videos as static images, and advertisers will then pay vloggers who get a ton of views on their videos because per every vlog view, presumably a viewer is also seeing the ads on your channel. Or a company will pay for the vlogger to sponsor or to plug an, a certain... Exactly. And that's a common thing for vloggers now. They'll say, this vlog was actually sponsored by audible.com. You can go get a free audiobook and they'll have a link. Etc. Yeah. So... I'd be curious to hear from you in vlogs that you have watched. Have you seen any really overt sponsorships that have bothered you? Do you think it detracts from the experience? I don't think sponsorships detract. I honestly prefer them to advertisements, which seem random and out of place. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. the vloggers I do watch will have a sponsorship. And it's usually something that they actually like and care about. For Philip DeFranco, which I watch, he always has a sponsorship for Ting.com, which is an alternate phone website. And he says 
that he uses it and that you can get a discount by using his page or whatever and that doesn't bother me as much because it's like 10 seconds of the video and then it's done and it's a lot less in your face than something that's a 20 second clip before the video that might have nothing to do with the vlogger at all. I hear you. I don't know if I feel exactly the same. I've often found advertisements to be very overt, especially when they're sponsorships like that. I agree with you that some seem very out of place, but even if it's a paid sponsorship and someone says, yeah, have you ever used the LG G3 Flex with its 5.5 inch screen? And it's just, it feels very forced. Yeah, I think the ones that I have seen are very, I am sponsored by these people and Mm -hmm. very out and like an open about it. Whereas I think sometimes if they try to incorporate it into whatever they're doing, then it's a lot of product placement. Right. Which I think is much more bizarre. Right. And I think consumers are smart enough to tell. I think it segues well into the idea of openness and being frank with your viewers. To me, one of the best things about vlogs, although it's not always true, is that they can be very candid. I often compare them with reality shows, and I don't think reality shows are at all the same because you're not in control of the video footage. Someone else is editing that in a studio somewhere often to create controversy or strife among characters and people, frankly, who aren't actually hostile towards one another or who weren't before the video. Precisely. So I think vlogs are interesting because I've seen plenty of vlogs where kids fighting is cut out, maybe a run-in with you know, a police officer after speeding is cut out. But for the most part, I've seen a lot of vulnerable moments. I remember vividly in December of 2012, I believe, with the Sandy Hook Elementary shooting. I remember a mother on a vlog that I was watching just devastated. She was absolutely beside herself and distraught because she had heard that news and she wasn't affected, but she was just thinking that could have been my kids. And I remember just how emotionally raw that felt to watch. And it certainly isn't happy or comfortable when tragic events happen like that. But in a family photo album sort of way, that woman has that video for the rest of her life. She can look back and say, I remember that day and look back on the footage. So I think if nothing else, vlogging like a family photo album is very valuable for the people who are actually being filmed and filming themselves because they get to see bits and pieces of their lives. And for some people who do it daily, they get to relive that in some way. But this is coming from me talking about them being candid. I'd be curious to hear, do you think they're open? Obviously they edit, but do you ever think that some of them seem fake as people? I don't necessarily think they seem fake. I think they're a lot more real or authentic than people on reality shows because clearly there's so much production that goes into those. And I think there is a lot of production that goes into some vlogs. However, I do think in some ways they're only giving you a fraction of their lives. And and therefore, I think some people really value vlogs. It's like you're getting the real person, but it's still a projection. What you were saying before about how those vlogs are in some ways like a time capsule for those vloggers who are making them. The concept of fan interaction has always been really interesting to me. And so you want to speak to that a little bit. Of course, and I'd also like to hear your thoughts. To me, one of the coolest things about vlogs is that when they post them on YouTube, there's a comment section for those of us who are listening who don't use YouTube all that often. You can comment on any video. All you need is an account. You can be blocked, of course, if the vlogger or the owner of the channel doesn't like what you're saying, but for the most part, it's sort of a free range and people will say whatever. There are some wonderful comment sections for some slightly less than popular vlogs that are sort of niche and kind of quiet, I would say, that have maybe... 10,000 subscribers, which on YouTube is not that many. And there are some really respectful people in the comments who say, you know, oh, I I saw that you went to that doctor's visit in this vlog. How are you doing? Is that issue okay? Are you feeling better? And people are legitimately concerned. And I know a lot of people would say, yeah, you know, they're just fans. But 
they're really, really nice sometimes. There can also be some very critical people because you're showing your lives. And I've seen really disrespectful people in the comment sections. And I think that vloggers like reality stars have to deal with not only sharing their lives, but opening their lives to the possibility of criticism and verbal assault or other words. For example, the Shaytards that I mentioned earlier, that family of eight is actually Mormon and they're proud of their religion. I don't think they flaunt it, but there will be times after church they might film and they'll mention that they were just in church and sometimes the comment section absolutely blows up. And I think it's ridiculous. They're not trying to convert anyone, but you can't fault people who believe in something for mentioning that they believe in that. If you don't want to watch the video, don't watch it. But or I, even including that it's just part of their daily lives. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't mean that it encompasses their entire lives or beings, but it's just it's something they just did, so why not include it? I agree, and I find it really peculiar when people get so critical as though they have ownership of the people making these videos. But I really liked some of the comment sections on smaller vlogs. The community there alone is really fascinating with people that offer help. I've seen plenty of videos that get uploaded with a question in mind. The vlogger is seeking advice for something and saying, I have an audio issue. Do any of you guys know audio really well? Can you help me out with this? And people in the comments are really quick to send links. Yeah, I can show you how. Check out my channel. I've made a video about that. And just really, really kind. I know a lot of vloggers that have been doing it for years, making videos every day or every week for a long, long time. And some of those users and viewers are still with them. And they say, oh yeah, I remember Chad 1886 or whatever, because these people stick with you. And I think it's really cool. I don't think other shows or forms of entertainment always have that fan longevity. And I think that's really impressive because plenty of shows have like six seasons or whatever, but that's spread out over six years and it's not daily content. A vlog often is, and that's what impresses me. Do you think that it's too much to see one day or every day of someone's life? Do you think vloggers should take breaks? Do you think maybe we see too much? What I find interesting about vlogging, I have never commented on a vlog, and most of the vlogs that I do watch are pretty larger scale, like they get multiple hundred thousand views per video, and oftentimes the fan interaction is a question of the day, or like, what is your opinion on this thing that I have talked about, or whatever. For me, because it's such a large community at that point, and also I'm not very adept in Google+, Plus, which is the current format of yep. YouTube, it becomes harder for me to feel like I'm part of a greater community rather than just consuming the content that that vlogger has put out, which I'm watching for a reason because I like it. But I've always felt the fan interaction as kind of odd just simply because I don't feel like I'm really interacting with a person. I feel like I'm reacting with an image and a lens. And I think it's probably because I have never become so devoted or invested in a vlogger before. Can I ask what the longest you followed a vlog for was? What period of time? Well, I've followed YouTubers before, but not necessarily their vlogs. Okay. So I've been watching Philip DeFranco mm -hmm. since my sophomore or junior year in high school. And I still watch him occasionally, but I've never been so interested in the vlogging side of right. his. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Personally, if anyone's interested, I think I've followed certain vlogs for a number of years. I remember I've already mentioned the Shaytards. I think I've followed them for probably four or five years. And if nothing else, it's fascinating to see the kids grow up. Forget the parents for a second. There are literally children being filmed. And I think a lot of people might be a little bit weirded out by that or bothered in some way. 
but plenty of the kids like it, you know, the kids that are on film because then they get to see themselves on the computer and it's fascinating to them. And I don't think they appreciate how many thousands of people get to see their daily lives. And that's where I think the community aspect becomes valuable. I mean, in terms of Phil DeFranco, his dad received a kidney from one of the members of that fan base. I mean, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. You really see some wonderful things happen. And I know that these kids, for example, the the Shaytard children, there's six of them. They've gotten so much love and support from people when they go to gatherings or meetups across the country. If there's sort of a convention for YouTubers, the family will often bring the kids and these kids get toys or handmade crafts just as gifts because these people, these fans are so dedicated and care about this family so much. And it's so nice to see. And I also think, granted, it is edited, but a lot of the longer moments in a vlog, like let's say the father takes the camera and has a three-minute discussion with the audience about a thing that one of his kids did, they can get very sentimental and emotional, but often the morals that are encompassed there are very legitimate. And I imagine there are certain kids that instead of watching TV shows these days are watching vlogs, and I'm really happy that they're seeing pretty hardworking and pretty honest people. And I say hardworking because... Plenty of these people vlog for a job, which is something I should have mentioned earlier, and we'll touch on some statistics momentarily. They're just so honest and hardworking about what they're doing, but also with their fan base. They try and get a video up every day. They try and keep a pretty tight schedule. And I, for one, I don't make that much content in my life, but I can imagine how stressful it might be. And it is a real job. Some of these people are earning millions of dollars a year because of all the ad revenue, and they're hardworking, and they deserve it, frankly. The content they're producing is... I would argue, more fulfilling or has a greater potential to be fulfilling in some emotional or human capacity than a lot of the stuff that people watch. Well, let me ask you this. Because you have more experience in this than I do, what makes a successful vlogger? Why are these people able to make their entire income based on this? That's a good question. Being a successful vlogger is, in many ways, as cliche or poetic as this might sound, very similar to being a successful individual. I think a successful vlogger has to be hardworking, just like a successful person has to be hardworking. I think a successful vlogger in some ways has to be vulnerable. You have to share certain things, and I think a successful person also has to be vulnerable. You can't always hide certain things, and you have to be honest with yourself sometimes, and I think taking risks is a big part of success, and I think that vloggers and successful people do that. But I would also say, you talked earlier about mundane ideas or mundane daily lives. Good vloggers, like an entertaining or an interesting person, sees silver linings, sees the interesting things in their day. You know, yes, I've had this four-year-old for four years. He's been in my life for a long time. But what did he say today that was interesting? Or what kind of mess did he make? Or what first words did he have? I think it's a lot about observation. And I think that vloggers are really good at noticing that. And I also think that they probably become very self-aware because they film and record themselves daily. They know the sound of their own voices. They know certain phrases that they use. They become more eloquent over time, which is really beautiful. And I've enjoyed some really profound moments when vloggers say really heartfelt things or you just see how hard they're working on a project. I would encourage, and I'll probably remind you all at the end of the episode, but I would encourage anyone listening, and I think, Caroline, you feel similarly, to check out a vlog. Watch three videos. Some of them are like four minutes long. I'm sure you can find 12 minutes out of your day. Just check one out and see what you think. You don't have to comment. You don't even have to let me know. I just think it would be a really interesting experiment to go try because the media is out there and it's free. It doesn't take any money to get onto YouTube. It's educational in some ways. You learn about what that sphere is like. Caroline, I guess I would ask you, 
Do you see vlogging changing at any point in the future? Do you think any technological advances might change it? Or do you think its popularity might decline? Obviously, this is sort of guesswork. I don't expect you to have all the answers, but I'm curious. Well, it's funny because I have seen it change over time, just technologically. I mean, when I would watch vlogs earlier in high school, you'd always see someone walking around like with an iPhone held out in front of them. Mm-hmm. And it's such a bizarre image to think about some person walking around with this phone held out, arm outstretched, walking and talking. And I'm sure when that first started happening, especially in places like LA, where I think a lot of vloggers do live, mm-hmm what a weird thing. (laughs) Right, absolutely. And from then, it has developed so that people are using pretty high production to make these vlogs, better equipment, partially because they are being paid so they can afford it. And advertisers have really capitalized on this. So they see that people watch this and people are interested and so they use ads to make money for themselves. I see that continuing. I I see vlogs getting more popular and advertisers (laughs) using them more and more as commodities maybe. Also, and it's clear that people are interested in this sort of content. There's no doubt about it. We watched that Anderson Cooper clip recently about the shaytards coming on and it was on a segment called easy money or you know make cash fast or something like that and i see people using that in the future and trying to be successful but i think it'll be harder and harder because that's just how the market works yeah in addition i think there are some youtubers that were really successful for a long time and have kind of faded out that's interesting to see i mean it, it wasn't so much that their content changed but maybe their audience desired something else and it's hard to gauge that a lot of the time. Right. It's fierce. And the competition in the sense that you have to make more or better videos than the next vlogger in order to become prominent and gain that traction. I agree. I think more people will try it. I don't know that they will all be successful. I don't think there's always room for that. Calling it easy money on the Anderson Cooper show is interesting because, like I said, the editing that goes into some of these vlogs takes a really long time and it's not manual labor but it is exhausting in its own way and as I've also said people do it for a living so I want to point to one of the articles that we both read which mentioned Zoe Sugg who goes by Zoella on YouTube and she recently bought a five-bedroom house in Brighton which is worth 1 million pounds she's doing really well she's 24 year old she has over 7 million subscribers and her videos tend to be aimed at teenage girls, discussing fashion, beauty, health, and her personal life. Yeah, she's pretty young. She has people camping outside her house. Right, exactly, which is apparently why she moved or wanted to pick a new house. Last year, there was a controversy about a book that she supposedly didn't actually write called Girl Online, and there was a big scandal there. It's not irrelevant. It's a very interesting idea that vloggers can make a lot of money, and often they are asked to write books or asked to sort of expand because people want to capitalize on that market. The Shaytards I know I've already mentioned, they have over 2,100 videos since October of 2008, which is a lot, and I would encourage anyone who's listening to think about how much time that actually is. They have over 3.2 million subscribers, and they have an estimated net worth of $1 million annually. So they're making quite a bit of money, and it's just really interesting. And I think the age barrier is also pretty low, that anyone can start vlogging. You're probably not going to be successful at age 16, but you could start. A video camera is not that hard to come by, nor is editing software necessarily. I would be interested to see if, for example, the Shaytards feel compelled to continue vlogging because that is their income. I mean, if you've been doing this for now eight years, for me, maybe they'd get bored, but maybe they'd feel still compelled to do it because that's their main source of income. It's a really good question. In fact, many times Shay, who's the patriarch of the family, 
wanted to give up or stop. You know, he said, it's not that I don't enjoy this, it's just a lot of work, and I just get so exhausted. And he started on his birthday in 2008, I believe, maybe 2009, a few months after he had got the channel up. He started on his birthday, and I think he's been vlogging now for six years straight. He's been making videos for longer, and it's a lot of sharing your life with other people. It's a lot of exposing yourself. It's a lot of showing your children's lives. And I think that he's often asked his kids on camera, do you guys mind that we vlog? And the kids are like, no, we don't. Maybe someday they might, looking back. And I think it's socially very interesting to consider because we're in an age where you can record more information than ever before. And as a father, that's something he has to think about. You're right to question the income aspect because you have to continue to make money to not only support your family, but to support yourself. And so if that is your career, do you have any other career options or do you have to sort of keep going. And if they have this lifestyle that they've created because now they have an income of $1.2 million a year, I mean, if that just suddenly stops, then what are they supposed to do? Exactly. It's a very tricky thing. Before we close out this episode, do you have any last thoughts, anything you want to touch upon or even ask the listeners? I think what we said earlier, just go check out a vlog. We'll list some in the description that we really like. And while I might be skeptical, I still think that they're very entertaining and worthwhile um, content on the internet. I completely agree. And of course, we would like to hear from any or all of you because we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. You can reach us on Twitter at stride n saunter. Our email is strideandsaunter at gmail.com. Our Facebook account is stride and saunter. And please check out our website, strideandsaunter.com. And of course, as always, we thank you for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And Caroline Borders, we'll see you next time.